This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Calvary, Lord, for what You accomplished for us through the death of Jesus Christ. Lord, taking away our sin through His righteousness, His righteous life, imputing righteousness to our account. And Lord, we're thankful for every good thing that we know, every blessing that we know, knowing that it's coming from You. And it's all bought at Calvary. We thank You for calling us to Yourself, making Yourself known. Thank You for regeneration. Lord, thank You for Your work of conforming us to the image of Jesus. May all the glory and honor and praise be unto You, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hope everybody had a good, restful afternoon. Good Father's Day for all the fathers out there. <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, we're going to pick up where we left off this morning. Any, uh, any questions on what I said this morning? Or something Paul said, even if I didn't say it, I guess. It'd be fair game, wouldn't it? Okay. Sure, go ahead. 29, 13, and 14. This is, um, if you notice, I'll, I'll read that again. Well, I didn't actually read the passage this morning from Isaiah, but I'll do that now. Um, because if you'll notice, here, verse... Uh, lost my place. Here, here, verse 19 is not an exact quote, but it's very close. And uh, it may be that um, Paul doesn't intend, to, you know, he's not intending an exact, exact quote there. He's just relaying um, what is written in the Old Testament, a, a mindset, in other words, that um, is revealed through passages like Isaiah 29:14, but but it's very very close to this passage. Um, Isaiah 29:14 says, "Therefore, uh, behold." In fact, let me read verse 13 again. I alluded that to that also this morning. The Lord said, "Because this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is com- is a commandment taught by men." Their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. And you see here in 1 Corinthians 1.19, it is stated as, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise 
and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart or set aside. So again, Paul Paul is is um, using that as support for what he's saying here concerning uh, God's God's plan, God's wisdom to overthrow the wisdom of the wise. I know that sounds kind of odd, but of course he's meaning to overthrow the wisdom of those who are wise according to uh, according to our thinking, our standards, worldly wisdom, um, the wisdom of this age. And, and that's what he has in, in mind there. So in Isaiah, again, the Lord through Isaiah is rebuking them for their false religion. They draw nigh to God with their lips, but with their hearts, he says, they are far from me, and their fear of me has taught them by precepts of men. And, um, and then he goes on to say, you know, there's a time coming when uh, the wisdom of the wise men shall perish. The discernment of the discerning men shall be hidden. And Jesus refers to uh, verse 13 when he's rebuking the, uh, the Pharisees for their hypocrisy in, uh, in Matthew 15. What Paul is doing here, and I think this is part of the reason he's... He's going back to that passage is because you, you, you've, you have a similar danger here. If the Corinthians are leaning toward um, the wisdom of the world, that, that's what they are uh, beginning to consider to be true wisdom. That's, that's what they're beginning to follow. That's what they're starting to esteem. And so one, one result of that is that they look down on Paul because he's... He's not a he's not a great um, speaker, you know. He's 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 not conveying all this worldly wisdom like the uh, like the great um, Judaizing teachers would, or the uh, the philosophers, the Greek philosophers. And so they're 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 in danger. It would seem, I, and I'm, I'm the reason I'm saying it that way is because I don't think they are apostate here. I, I, I don't I think he's addressing what he believes to be. A genuine church. Just talked about that in previous weeks. But if they're going to follow this road and uh, and go after the wisdom of men instead of going after the wisdom of God, they they'll wind up in the same shoes that the Jews were in Isaiah 29. Uh, their their religion will be totally man-made, and and it's it it is rendered um, vain, ineffectual. The cross made of none effect. Paul says. So he says here, he uses that to say, God's going to overthrow the wisdom of this world. He's going, to, he's going to prove, and I think this is kind of the idea, he's going to prove it to be foolishness. The, the world looks at the gospel and says, that's foolishness, that's folly, that's madness. All right? And I think what, what the Apostle Paul is saying, what has happened at Calvary, and I really think that's what he has in view here, um, is that God has shown His own wisdom to be the, the real wisdom, the superior wisdom, and He has shown the folly and the powerlessness of their wisdom. And, and now you might say, well, um, obviously they don't realize that, or, or at, least these, uh, at least the world doesn't realize that. Maybe the Corinthians will get it here when Paul... Maybe they did when Paul... Uh, correcting them, but but the world doesn't see their wisdom as being overthrown. No, um, they they will. That'll be that'll be openly manifested in in the end at the last day. 
but it, but it is still effectively done. At, at the cross, at Calvary, just like I was just singing about and we were singing about in the songs we were doing earlier, at the cross, at Calvary, God effected salvation for His people. He did what they have not been able to do. They have, they have not been, in, in all of their wisdom, they have not been able to bring about uh, true knowledge of God, and especially to a, to a saving degree. Nobody has come to Christ uh, to, to saving knowledge of God purely through human reason. Uh, and, and logic's a great thing, by the way. I, I, I recommend it. <laughs> I, I try to exercise it. I mean, I want to I be logical, uh, and, and I like logical things because I think God is logical. Uh, it's not that God is illogical. It's not that God is unreasonable. But what, but what we're saying here is, what I think Paul is saying here is, is that you, you, don't, you don't get to God merely through human reason, through human logic. And of course, the, the, the reason why is because it always errs. Human logic always gets off course somewhere, um, especially when it starts trying to uh, go after God. Because um, it's always going to come up with... We're always, on our own, left to ourselves, we're always going to come up with a God like us. And that's what seems reasonable to us. <laughs> and that's why you hear the statements like I referred to this morning. You know, God, a, a loving God would never send someone to hell and, and, and so forth. That is, that is human reasoning um, without any real understanding of the nature and character of God. So, so Paul is saying at Calvary, in, at the cross, in what Christ did, in the person of Jesus Christ, God has, has overthrown worldly wisdom. So in reality, it's not the cross that's made ineffective. It's, it's the wisdom of this world that is shown to be ineffective, even though there are still people who, who think the other way. And he expounds on some of that. I'm going to pick up again here. We read some of this this morning. But look back at verse 22. Um, boy, it's hard to jump in in the middle of this. But, but you remember he was saying that they, they think the word of the cross is folly. Verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. That, that is the mindset of the wise men of the world. The ones that uh, the, the Corinthians are, are in danger of um, following after here. The word of the cross is folly to them. It's madness. It's foolishness. All right? But to us, he says, it's the power of God. So, so he says, this is what we preach. Verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. Nope, let me back up one more. Verse 22. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. Now, he, he basically puts... I think effectively puts the whole world in two categories here. You know, the, the Jewish of mindsets, generally speaking. The Jews, he says, seek signs. Do, do we see any of that in the Gospels? Any evidence of that in the Gospels? Constantly, right? And they're coming to Jesus. Show us a sign. Show us a sign from heaven. And that's sort of understandable. You know, if you think about Jewish history, um, Moses, for example, when he delivers them from Egypt, how, how, does, how is that 
authenticated? How is, how is Moses' ministry as the deliverer authenticated? With signs and wonders. And, and God does, uh, well, He does wonders, you know, just to show, like, like making the, the staff uh, turn into a snake and then back into a staff. But then He also brings the ten plagues upon Egypt. And, and all the while, it's showing, it's a demonstration of the power of God proving that Moses is sent of God. It's proving it to the Jews. It's proving it to the Egyptians. And you can think of other examples. You know, Elijah on Mount Carmel. He, there he faces off with the prophets of Baal. And he, he calls fire down from heaven. The disciples wanted to do that. At one point, too, you know, they they had that. In, and again, it just shows you that's that's the mindset. When when Jesus went to Samaria and was rejected, and and uh, James and John said, uh, you know, as if they had this. It's always kind of been funny to me, as if they had the power themselves to do it. They said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down uh, from heaven? And Jesus rebukes them. You don't know what spirit you're of. Now, you can see how they might think, well, wait a minute, you know, Elijah did it. They're looking for something. They want to show. They want to show. In fact, they want to destroy him. But they want to show the Samaritans, you have rejected the true Messiah. And now you're toast. Literally, in their mind. I mean, that's what they were, that's what they were hoping for. Think about Satan. What, what, is, what does he do in the wilderness? He says, says to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. Since you're the Son of God. You see what he's doing? He's, he's telling, show the world. Get up on the pinnacle of the temple and jump off. Because it's written. I shall give my angels charge over you. They shall keep you. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. See, what Satan's doing is saying, look, avoid all the suffering and just go ahead and openly manifest. Do some, do some spectacular sign from heaven and the people will know that you're the Messiah. And that's the mindset. Jews seek a sign and, and Jesus rebuked them for it. And He said, no sign will be given this evil and perverse generation except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now there's a sign. From heaven, the Son of Man goes. He, he dies. He literally dies. And just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, Son of Man's in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And Jesus says essentially, that's the only, that's the only sign. And I, I think, I think what he's meaning by that, because you might be saying, well, he did lots of signs. He did lots of signs, but he never. Or I, I, I can't think of a case where it was to prove who I am. He, he was always doing miracles for the benefit of somebody in need. It wasn't just, you know, prove to us you're the Messiah. Okay, I'll, I'll turn this staff into a snake. Or prove to us you're the Messiah. And so he calls down fire from heaven. What he, what he was doing was, was serving people. He was, he was restoring withered limbs and cleansing lepers and healing Blind eyes and so and and that should have been enough signs absolutely uh, for for the unbelievers but it wasn't and it wouldn't have been either if he had called fire down from heaven I'm pretty sure but he refused to do that 
But one sign from heaven, and I think this is what Jesus meant, you know, you're only going to get one sign. One sign that authenticated everything that He claimed to be was His death and resurrection. And they didn't even believe that when, he, when, he, when it happened. You know, a lot of them didn't. So, Jews look for a sign. That's one category. And Greeks seek wisdom. So, with the Jews, it's this, you know, supernatural power mindset. We need proof from God. With the Greeks, what, what they're after, what they highly esteem is wisdom, like we talked about this morning. Sophia is the, is the word. Sophia. Um, so, you, you know, you think about our word philosophy. That's, you know, a love of wisdom. Philosophy. So Paul says the Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. Now, that, that word is, the idea there is scandal. It's an offense, in other words. It's the Greek word scandalon, um, from, where, from which we get our word scandal. So, so it is scandalous. The, the cross of Christ is scandalous to the Jews. It's, a, it's, a, it's an offense to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, or foolishness. And by the way, just a note here. Notice that Paul switched to Gentiles, where he was saying Greeks. Um, kind of uses those interchangeably. But... When he's when he's talking about Greeks, when he, like when he uses the term in verse 22, it, it was the Greeks who loved wisdom, right? Like Athens being the great uh, philosophical center of the world for a long time, and uh, but now, so so sometimes when when he's categorizing it's Jews and Greeks, and sometimes it's it's Jews and Gentiles. Now he just kind of broadens it Gentile. Either way, it's it's the idea of Jews and non-Jews. Jews and non-Jews is what he's talking about. So, the Jews seek signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block or a scandal, in other words, to the Jews. Why, why is that? Why is it a scandal to the Jews? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't compute. Messiah crucified. <clears throat> That's just polar opposites. They're, in their mind, I mean, you know, Messiah. Messiah is going to be a great conqueror. And He's going to come and deliver us. He's, he's you know, he, they're looking for somebody like Moses, like David. Greater, perhaps. Um, they weren't actually. They weren't thinking great enough, were they? <laughs> but but they're, so they're thinking he's going to be this this great leader, conqueror. And you and you start talking about crucifixion. Crucifixion. That's a curse. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. The law says. So for the Jews, that's a scandal. You don't when somebody that hangs on a tree, somebody that's crucified. Those are people who are who are cursed. That's scandalous. You, you, so you, you, if you kind of get into that mindset, you see why 
Do you see why Peter was scandalized by that when Jesus began to talk about being crucified? And Jesus actually rebuked the Lord. Not going to happen to you. Because just totally opposite of their view of Messiah. So, so it was a scandal for them. That's why it's, you know, translated a stumbling block. They stumble over it. They're offended by it. It's a scandal to the Jews. And folly to the Gentiles. Well, we all understand that. I mean, just, just go out and talk to people in the world today um, about the Gospel like we, like we were talking about this morning, and it's just, it's just foolishness to them. Just exactly like Paul says here. It, it, again, it doesn't compute, but for different reasons. To, to, it doesn't seem logical. It doesn't seem reasonable to, to the worldly mindset, to uh, the wisdom of this world. None of that makes sense. If we've, we've got our, our definition of God. We've got our definition of love. And we apply that definition of love to our God, and we say, okay, God is love. And, and none of that fits with any of this. You know, he, a, a God of love, and of course, we're talking about the one we've imagined when we say that. A God of love cannot do this. He cannot hold people accountable for their sin and threaten them with hell. And of course, like we, we talked about in our study on the holiness of God, there's no concept out there really in the world of holiness. I mean, that's the big problem, I would say. So when you, when you talk about love, mercy, and all of that, totally apart from holiness, of course you're going to come up with some crazy ideas, uh, you know, like, well, God, God cannot be mad about sin. He cannot condemn people to hell. So, so for the Greeks, it's just folly. Pe- people think of themselves, look, I'm more reasonable than that. God can't be that unreasonable. They, they think to themselves, I wouldn't treat people like that. Of course, we do. I mean, we do worse, but, uh, you know, I mean, because we really sin. God's not sinning, so we, we treat people worse, but well, we don't think that. And we think, you know, I, I'm for, I would forgive. I would let it slide. I, I would just, you know, live and let live. And so they think themselves more reasonable than God, or at least the God that we're presenting here, the God of the Bible. And so, so they think one of two things, at least, you know, well, there can't... There's either no God, or at least it's it's not this God. It can't be the God of the Bible. If there is a God, it can't be the God of the Bible. And you hear people say things like that all the time. This doesn't fit their idea of a good God. So it's folly to them. And you start talking about imputed sin and imputed righteousness, and that is, it's folly, it's foolishness, it's madness to them. Michael and I were just talking about a a, a, a document um, that I mentioned it before that was produced by some some Southern Baptists uh, in recent weeks. <clears throat> Supposedly, at least in in their view, they were presenting a traditional view of Baptist soteriology. Uh, you know how we are saved, and I, I can't quote it, and I don't have it in front of me. Got it on my PC, but I won't take it time take time to. Open it up, but um, 
One of the statements they make there is essentially that we do not inherit Adam's sin. All right? So, so they've got a problem with the imputation of Adam's sin to the rest of the world. Well, the, the world has a problem with that too, so that's, that's part of what I'm talking about. It doesn't sound reasonable. But if, if you've got, I, I would say, number one, the Bible teaches it. I, I, think, I think the Bible clearly teaches it, so that, that's, uh, we have to accept it. But if we're going to have a problem on, on the Christian side, if we're going to have a problem with the imputation of Adam's sin, then, then how in the world can we come over here and receive the imputation of Christ's righteousness? This is what they're doing. This is what they're trying to do. You know, we're, we're not condemned for Adam's sin, but then on the other hand, we're saved by the grace of God, you know, the righteousness of Christ is applied to us. Well, well wait a minute. <laughs> they're both imputation. But see, that's folly to human reason. You mean to tell me I'm condemned because of someone else's sin? Yes. Yes. That's the way we all started out. From conception, um, that's the way we started out. And, and it's, it's because uh, of Adam's nature um, transmitted to us that we are sinners as well. But yes, Adam, uh, sin came through Adam to all men. Right. So, but but again, that's folly to the world, right? So we we've got the imputation of sin. Um, also, the 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 inheriting the sin nature. So so every everybody comes into the world alienated from God. That is, we're all conceived in sin, and then we're born alienated from God. And so God, in order to reconcile us, sends His Son in the flesh, incarnate. To, to live righteousness on our behalf so that His righteousness can be imputed to us, to suffer and die at Calvary, taking on uh, the wrath of man as well as the wrath of God in our place as our substitute, and His righteousness is put to our account. And to the Greeks, Paul is saying, to the Gentiles, that is madness. Folly, and it is so today, also, and that's one reason for people who want to be religious, want to be spiritual. That's why you get all these ideas about all roads lead to God, every religion's good, and we're all doing the same thing. Um, they, they they don't want anything about responsibility, about sin, about judgment, about uh, atonement. At least not in this way. I mean, they might you know sacrifice. A monkey or something um, to some god, but they but they don't want to talk about the Son of God coming and dying for our sins. It's folly. It's madness. But Paul says, and here's where it gets well, more, e- even more interesting. Verse 24: To those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So now he's making another distinction. 
The Jews seek signs. <clears throat> the Greeks seek wisdom. Kind of got the whole world in two general categories. And so, for the Jews, the cross is, is a scandal. For the Greeks, the Gentiles, the cross is folly. But, he says, to those who are called... <laughs> Among Jews and Greeks, that's what he's, what he's talking about. You, you, you can go across the spectrum here. To the call, it's not folly, it's the power of God. So now he makes another contrast between the called and the not called. And this, and I don't mean to keep coming back to this document, but the document I referred to a minute ago, this is one of the, the very reasons it was written. This is one of the very things they're disputing, the idea of election. The called, that some people are called to salvation and others are not. But Paul is clearly making a distinction here between those who are called and those who are not called. To those who are not, to those who are immersed in worldly wisdom, I mean, that's, that's it. That's all they know. They're unregenerate. To them, it is folly. But to the called, both Jews and Greeks, the preaching of the cross, Christ crucified, is the power of God and the salvation. Or the way he says it here, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. See the contrast? We, the called don't think it's folly. We see the wisdom of God in it. We don't think it's madness. We don't think it's a scandal. We see it as Christ, the power of God. For the Jews, a crucified Messiah, that's weak. That's a sign of weakness. I mean, he's arrested and he's beaten and he's crucified. But Paul says to the called, it's the power of God. It's the power. Christ, the power of God. He's the power of God. And the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of Foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, it seems there to me like he just basically says, okay, you want to call it foolishness? You want to call it folly? Well, let me tell you this. The folly of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God, you want to call it weakness? The weakness of God is stronger than men. It far surpasses anything men can devise or even dream of. Now, to kind of show that, he, he goes into talking about those who are called in verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers, and notice the language. Notice the language. <clears throat> One of the authors of this document <clears throat> Um, that I keep referring to unintentionally, but um, didn't intend to when I got up here. I mean, I'm not doing it unintentionally now. But um, one of the authors of this document, I, I was trying to remember his first name, but his last name's Hankins. He's a pastor over in Mississippi. I read an article of his that he wrote for a, a theological journal, and, and he makes the statement that when the Bible speaks of election, it is it never in reference to, that is just choosing, calling, choosing, God choosing someone. He says when the Bible speaks of election, it is never in reference to an individual. 
Nowhere in the Bible. He says it's always referring to groups, you know, like, for example, the nation of Israel. Well, number one, I think his, his statement is wrong. Uh, well, it's just wrong. It's just factually wrong, I would say. But number two, and this is what's always been kind of baffling to me, how do you get a group without individuals? I've just never... How do I, you know, as I say, I'm going to build a house. And I'm going to go, what, how am I going to do that? How am I going to build a house without boards? I don't want individual boards. I don't want to deal with individual boards. I just want to build a house. So I'm going to erect a house. But well, you've got to have some material for that. <laughs> you've got to have boards and nails, or you've got to have bricks and mortar. You've got to have some material to build a house. I don't know how you get a group without calling individuals. Somebody has to make up the church. So you, can, you know, I, how can you just say we're, we're just going to have a we're just going to have a church? This this body of people without this, it's like saying you're going to have a uh, you know a, a, a wedding um, celebration or whatever, but you're not going to invite anybody. I mean, you know. It's not going to be much of a party. <clears throat> Nobody shows up. So I don't get that anyway. But watch this closely. Consider your calling, brothers. And I, I ask you, <clears throat> do, do you think that Paul means here, is he speaking to, I know he's speaking to a church, but he's speaking to a, a group of individuals, Right? And when he says, consider your calling, is he not calling on them as individuals to consider the fact of their calling as individuals? I think he is. Look at what he says. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. What's he talking about? He's talking about individuals. Those of you who were called. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were uh, wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were noble. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. That is, God chose foolish individuals to shame the wise individuals. He's, he's, he's saying God is showing the wisdom of the wise men, the world's wise men, to be folly. And one way that He does that is by calling the foolish. Now, here's what I think Paul is saying. But it does intrigue me, by the way, how often... I mean, you go back and read chapter 1 and, and just notice how many times Paul uses the word called or calling... That's the way he addressed the church right up front. You're called to be saints. Um, saints are individuals, by the way. Called to be saints. All right. Um, so, watch what he's doing here, though. I think what, he, what he's doing here, he says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Now, we use that a lot of times to kind of uh, to say, you know, look at us, we're a bunch of idiots, you know. Um, but, uh, but hey, we're saved idiots, you know. We th- thank the Lord. Well, that's probably, there's, that's probably okay. I mean, that's probably, uh, it's true. We're, we're, we're all pretty uh, 
uh, pretty foolish. But I don't think that's exactly what Paul said. He's not slamming the Corinthian church. <laughs> He's not saying, look around you. You know, you see there's a bunch of dumb people sitting around you. Don't, don't you notice? Not exactly what he's saying. I, I think what he's saying is, um, well, that's sort of what he's saying, but not, not, not in an ugly way. He's saying, he's saying, look around you. God has made himself known to you, not to the great philosophers, primarily. I'm not saying that none of them are ever saved. Paul's not. I don't think Paul's saying that. But he's just saying, that's not where the revelation came. It didn't come through... Socrates or Aristotle or Plato. It didn't come through the Jewish rabbis and, and the, the Sanhedrin and so forth. It didn't come through King Herod. As a matter of fact, it was sort of hidden from King Herod, wasn't it? God chose the foolish. He, he announced the coming of Christ, for example, to shepherds on a hillside. Why didn't that word come to the chief priests? In Jerusalem, or, the, or again, why, did, why didn't that word come to King Herod? You know, the angels, heavens opening up before King Herod, and the angels singing about the birth of Christ. You see what he's doing? He's he's confounding the wisdom of the wise by just bypassing them. And Jesus Jesus rejoiced in that. Jesus said, you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. And, and He rejoiced in spirit, we're told. It's amazing, isn't it? God's confounding the wisdom of the wise. He's showing that He cannot be reached through uh, mere human reasoning. He, you can't figure Him out. To the scientists of our day, and this has been going on for a long time, uh, but uh, many of them are still convinced that um, it's, it's, it's all about knowledge, and, and they mean, you know, just human knowledge, what we can discover. And we can, we can figure it all out. Eventually, I've heard, I don't know how many times I've heard that kind of thing said on a, you know, a radio or a television interview or read an article or whatever. Eventually, they say, we're going to have it all answered. Just, all we, just given enough time, we'll be able to explain it all. All about our origin. You know, all, all about why, how everything works, why we love, why we hate, why we are moody or whatever. They, they can't figure all that out yet, and, and they, they'll admit that they can't, but they say eventually we will. And, and God is, is saying, that would be another question too, is there a God or not? And, and they think they can answer that. God is, is saying through, through Paul here, he, he has confounded the wise and made Himself known to... The foolish. So he says, <clears throat> verse 27, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. That is, to put them to shame. Not, not that they would feel shame. Like I say, a lot of them don't even uh, know that he's done it. And they don't, they don't, they're not convinced yet. Um, but, but it's that he would, he would put them to shame, like to an open shame. God chose what is weak in the world... To shame the strong. So, you, just an, again, just an example comes to mind. You, sometimes the greatest of intellects that you can think of um, will be atheist, and sometimes the dumbest 
hillbillies by, you know, by human standards. No God. <laughs> and they understand, uh, you know, love and, and, and genuine godly love and things like that that the, that the, the greatest intellects can't, can't get a handle on, can't figure out. And God, verse 28, God chose what is low and despised. And again, these are all ways of, of, of saying that God has confounded the wisdom of the wise and He's done it in part by choosing us. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So He's, he's chosen the nots, the nobodies, the nothings to bring to nothing or to nullify the things that are. And so it's kind of like our saying, the haves and the have-nots. You know, the people who think they are the haves, those are the ones that here in this sentence are, uh, they're the things that are. And God has chosen the have-nots, or the nothings, to nullify the things that are, the haves. To bring to nothing, to nullify. He's doing it. It's, it's, a, a lot of this we're seeing. The, uh, I mentioned this early on. I haven't gone back to it much, but I mentioned it early on a couple weeks ago, I guess. The, you know, all these uh, already and not, this already and not yet mindset of the Scripture. And so there are things happening that are, are truly indeed happening, but they're not complete yet. They will be completed later. So, for example, um, we saw it this morning, talking about those who are perishing and those who are being saved, back in verse 18. The word of the cross is following those who are perishing. They're perishing now and they're certain to perish. But to us who are being saved, that is, we're saved now and we're, we're, we're certain to be saved. We're being saved. We're in, the, we're in the, the state of being saved now. It is the power of God. And in this verse, uh, verse uh, 28, he's saying, this, this is, this, God did this at the cross, but it's, but it's bringing it to pass. It's, it's, it's happened in one sense, which means it's sure to happen in the end. God is nullifying the things that are by choosing the things that are not, the nothings. So, verse 29 Here's the point that Paul is getting to that I want to close with. And this, this is what he's trying to tell the Corinthians. Don't, don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in, you know, your, your, if you've got skill, if you've got rhetorical skill, if you're, if you're an eloquent speaker, if you're a great teacher, you know, like the, the Jewish rabbis or, or whatever it is, great, but don't boast in that. That's not what got you to the knowledge of God. Paul, Paul was a, a you know a, a great uh, sat under a great Jewish rabbi. Gamaliel learned at his feet. Paul was very highly educated, uh, an intelligent man. That's not what got him saved. So that's not what he boasts in. So he says God is doing these things, verse twenty nine, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. In other words, we, we have nothing in and of ourselves to glory in. Verse 30, And because of Him, because of, because of who? Because of God. Because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, 
It, that's the point he's been making in the last few verses, isn't it? Verse 26, consider your calling, brothers. Verse 27, God chose. Twice in that verse, God chose. God chose what is foolish. God chose the weak. Verse 28, God chose what is low. <laughs> he says, it's because of God that you're in Christ. It wasn't because of your wisdom. It wasn't because you were smart, better educated, had more money, had a better bloodline. It wasn't because of that. It's because of God. Because God chose the foolish things. Because God chose to put you in Christ. So, because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, the calls who He's referring to, He became to us, Wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. The, the whole, God's whole plan of salvation is folly to the world. But to us, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And here he says it this way, saying the same thing. It became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, See, it's, it, it's all wrapped up in Christ, in God's work, God's redemptive work in Jesus Christ. God's wisdom is shown, displayed in the person of Jesus Christ. And while it's foolishness to the world, it's efficacious to those who are called. So for us, He truly becomes... The wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So, Paul is saying, you want something to boast about? Boast in Jesus. Boast in Jesus. You're, you're saved... Well, let's just say it this way, because they, they put a high premium uh, on knowledge, uh, wisdom, Sophia, wisdom. You've got the real wisdom. Wisdom of God. But it's not because you figured it out. That's what Paul was saying. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get puffed up. He's going to use that phrase quite a bit in this letter. Don't get puffed up as, as though you didn't receive what you got. You know, you, you just figured it out. You just, you just achieved it, so to speak. Paul's saying, oh, no, no. Don't go down that road. You're in Christ because of God. He called you. You're, you're not wise. Look around. Not many wise. Not many noble. You didn't get here because of your great wisdom and your ability to figure out puzzles and all that. No. God put you here. He chose you. And it's because of that that Christ, to you, is wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, because you might be thinking, well, why, why would God do that? Why did God do that? Why did God do it that way? Because He doesn't want us boasting in self. He wants us boasting in Him. Another way to say that is, He gets all the glory. 
No flesh shall glory in His presence, Paul says. He doesn't share His glory. He gets all the glory. So, so Paul is saying, look, there's a whole lot here to boast about. There's a lot to brag about. But it's not, it's not in self. It's not in the wisdom of the world. You want to boast? Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, because He's the one who's done it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your work of salvation. Planning and then doing everything that You plan to do. Making Your your truth effective in our own lives, Lord. Calling us unto Yourself. Making Yourself known. Not because of who we are. Not because we're wise. Not because we're deserving. Just based on Your own good pleasure. Your mercy. Your grace. It's of You that we are in Christ Jesus. We don't have righteousness and wisdom power to sanctify ourselves. We have none of that to boast about. He is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. Father, to You be glory and honor and praise, dominion, power, and might now and forever. May we boast in You. May Your name be magnified. In Jesus' name, Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.com. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.